Salutations and shit, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Travel and Shit, your new favorite travel podcast, where I, your host, D. Carrie, have an experiential conversation about travel because travel is so much more than vacation. So if you're new, welcome. Happy you're here. And if you've been here, I appreciate your support and hope that you continue to show up for the kid. So I told y'all I was working on some things and I was working on some things and I meant it when I said it. So I've got another guest. Welcome, welcome, welcome to my beautiful guest. Am I pronouncing your name uh, correctly? Kunbi or Kunbi? Kunbi. Kunbi. Yeah. Thank you for joining me, Kunbi. Please go ahead and introduce yourself. All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Kunbi and um, I was born and raised in Lagos, Nigeria. Um, came to the U.S. in 2004. Um, I work in the education field. Um, currently, I'm based in Nashville, Tennessee, um, and I work in a charter school, uh, it's a middle school where I run the special education and uh, English as a second language program. And I love to travel. And I guess that's why I'm here on the show with the Carrie. Yes, I was on the good Lord's internet in uh, some of my um, favorite travel groups. And I want to say it was Nomadness. And I think the topic was customs or just issues at the airport. And when I saw the shit you've been through at customs, I absolutely had to reach out. And, it, and it's, it's testament to say, if you will, that sometimes you just need a spark of interest to find out so much more. Because I initially was just curious about like your customs interactions. And then like, you've got this, incredible travel story like you've got so many in like the short little time we've been talking before recording mad things so let me start where I said I was going to start and what was your experience of travel growing up as a kid I know I've mentioned in past episodes for myself um I didn't really see travel as an option if you will I only traveled with my grandparents. I'd never been on like your stereotypical family trip where my mom, my dad, my brother, and I go someplace, the four of us as a unit. It was always, if my grandparents go someplace over the summer, like we'll go with them. And occasionally like my parents might show up. And then as I started getting older and I started traveling since my mom had had, you know, uh, my parents had both been places, but my mom was a flight attendant for a while. So she never really put in my ear that there was anything less than safe about traveling as a solo woman. But my dad was always like, you ain't got no friends. Like you ain't got no man to take you. Like there's nobody you could have come along with you. And mind you, he's chilled out a bit, but like, I get his concern. Right. But it's mostly, I, I don't know if that is a D family perspective or like, is that an American family perspective? What was your experience like um, with travel growing up? And did that in any way shape how your family may have influenced or not influenced your desire to travel as a young person? Yeah, so um, like in the Nigerian mentality, traveling was going to the UK or to the US. The UK, mostly because, you know, the British colonized Nigeria. So somehow they feel like going to the UK is like, um, I don't know, some kind of award, like, oh, I made it type stuff. So that was, that was the Nigerian mentality. Um, I think it's still a thing, like going to the UK, or uh, the US now they just added Dubai to the mix. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so okay. that was like, yeah, that was the thing like we traveling growing up. Um, every December we traveled to our village uh, because that is a thing um, to go to your village um, during Christmas. So we did that like every, every December. Um, the only time I got to see like another state in Nigeria was um, a different state apart from my village and Lagos where I lived was um, if my mom had a work conference in like a different state I would like tag along with her and for me I was just fascinated like oh my god um, because when people think about Nigeria they tend to think like oh we're all the same but we're not like um, the British brought different kingdoms together into one country so we're all very different depending on your ethnic group. So to me, it was just interesting to go to a different state and seeing their culture, like it was completely different than mine. Um, so that was like the traveling I had. Um, the first time I ever traveled out of the country, first time on the plane um, was um, when we went to the US and we kind of collided with 9-11. Um, 
um, we had gone to the U.S. to Atlanta. Uh, we had family in Atlanta, my dad's sister, and then my mom wanted to see her brother in L.A. And my parents schooled in the in the U, in the U.S. in California. So mm-hmm. we were at LAX when 9/11 happened, and um, it was it was crazy experience. Um, so in the mix of like 9/11 being a very tra- tragic event, um, it was mixed feelings because it was like my first time. Right, right, right. And we went to like Universal Studio, Disney. And so all of that excitement, but also knowing like something really bad just happened and a lot of people lost their lives. Um, But for me, like that trip was like the first time I felt like, oh, when I grew up, I would like to like see other countries and be on the plane more often. Um, So after that, um, I went to the U.S. again with with my dad. This time I traveled a little with my dad. (laughs) Traveling with your mom is completely different than traveling with (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, traveling, yeah, traveling with my dad to the U.S. We went to Atlanta because then at that time, my brother and older sister were living in Atlanta. Um, So that was that. So after that, I was like, "Mm, I kind of like this. And it what happened. was the difference between traveling with your mom and your dad for you? Because I'm thinking of my parents. <laughs> what is the difference like for you? So with my mom, it was really chilled. Like um, she let us like explore. Like mm. when we went to like Universal Studio, my younger sister wanted to like try all of the rides. My mom did not like it. So my mom's like, I'm not going to do it, but like definitely do it. And like, it was just that, but with my dad, like, God forbid, I turn to like, turn, talk to someone, who's that, do you know the person? And they start to lecture <laughs> me on like the dangers. So it was like <laughs> extremely protective. And it mm-hmm. was, it was almost like killing the fun, like, yeah, <laughs> like just <I> chill. <laughs> yeah. And then it happened like on the plane that we were not seated together. I did not mind not sitting with him. Oh, he did. Plane, right? <laughs> but he asked the people, so then they switched the seat. So it was that one person that would ask, can I, can we switch seats? So I can sit by my daughter. I'm like, damn, we're going to the same place. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same, it's the same yeah. automobile. It's the same, what do you call it? It's the same plane. We'll get yep. there at the same time. Yeah, so yeah, so that was the, it was just a little bit annoying. <laughs> and I get where it's coming from, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know. But, right. Yeah, but to me as a teenager, then it was just like not with it. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the the difference. <laughs> so you were in Atlanta with your uh, brother and sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was that was actually fun um, being with them. Uh, my older sister is also extremely protective, like my dad. Um, so. Yeah, I remember then I wanted to start locks and she refused. Okay. She, she does hair. That's what she does for a living. And she refused to start the locks for me because she didn't like locks. Huh. Uh, yeah. Go so figure. She, yeah. So she gave me braids instead of locks. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the kind of type of stuff. And then um, when we went back to Nigeria, um, I went, I started uni. I actually started university like pretty mm-hmm. young. Um, I finished high school at 16. Okay, little um, humble flex. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went into uni. Um, so one of the things I actually did not discuss before we started this was I didn't like what I was studying at the university. I was in medical school. Because, uh, okay. you know, like when you're growing up, um, when the people ask you, so I want to be this. And then when you grow older, you start to question, do, you, do yes. I really want to be that? So that was my yes. experience. Like I didn't want to be a doctor no more but there was an issue in the Nigerian mentality you got to be a doctor a lawyer an engineer an accountant otherwise your life is wasted right (laughs) um so when I told my dad I didn't want to be a doctor he got really really upset Mm -hmm. my dad is a professor anyways at the medical school he got really really upset so at that time I decided like okay I can make a decision I can continue doing um being in medical school and being mm-hmm. unhappy or I can make a drastic decision and I did that so what I did was I had a boyfriend in the U.S. um he got my ticket to the U.S. so I stole my passport from my family and then I ran away from home I think I was 17 and wow. yep and then I came to the U.S. to Houston because that's where I was living um and I started school he actually paid for my school for like the first three years when we're together um so that's how I got to the U.S. like almost permanently um and when I think back I think it's I think it was a really good decision because now I can do whatever I want to do um 
Yeah. This is like a literal jaw drop. Come on, early autonomy. Whoa. So let me say to the little cousins, love y'all that are listening. You're not hearing from me, but it's a great idea. Play your mom's that part, right? But damn, first of all, to get a nigga to pay for your education that early for three solid years, come on for that part. So toot toot that horn. But wow that's not just like running away from home that's like running away from home like that's huge but the distinct difference is that you did it for what you knew to be right for yourself like it wasn't you know a temper tantrum you didn't just say you won't let me date him you don't like him because his hair is blue i'm gonna go leave and be with him because he's the bee's knees like no it's it was for an education and i damn that's a huge undertaking but clearly from someone that's able to complete (laughs) high school (laughs) by 16 then yeah you a little bit above you a little ahead of the game there with your thought processes wow so what was that experience like it was great i knew i was making the right decision Mm -hmm. um because i was in the in my second year of medical school and it was the year like you start to like dissect real human beings like it's not a rat no more it's not a rat yeah like it was a real human being and it was at that point I knew like I cannot do this like yeah. I I cannot do this um so for me I guess that's how I justify the reason mm-hmm. of leaving home um because it was either like I was going to continue with that and maybe kill myself because mm-hmm. I wasn't happy or I could try to change something so I didn't think through what I thought five years from then would look like I just was taking it a a step at a time um so for me like coming to the U.S. was freedom freedom Mm -hmm. that no one can tell me what to do because you fire away anyways (laughs) yeah right Um, time difference oh you're breaking up (sighs) can't hear you yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah so it just gave me the freedom to like um do what I wanted to do and then I guess it was also a good thing that Houston Texas was where it went um he has a really large Nigerian population mm-hmm. so he he didn't really feel like I yeah. left Nigeria because everywhere it turned there was a Nigerian <laughs> um there was a Nigerian was company <laughs> yep there was a lot of Nigerian restaurants so he, he did not feel mm-hmm. like I was abroad he felt like nice oh, I'm in a community of it made for a gentle transition Mm -hmm. so from graduation like by the time you graduated and you finished undergrad and then so you came to Houston for undergrad or was it for grad school it was undergrad for undergrad yeah okay so you finished undergrad you're into uh that space between what you're deciding to do after college and then grad school like what were your options what did you decide what did you go with um so uh, so like so by the time I graduated my degree was in political science and economics I no longer liked economics but I had like two more classes to take um so I was like okay I'm gonna just do it so I was thinking about what I wanted to do um I wanted to I know like I kind of wanted to do international development but I did not know how to like get into it and I also knew I wanted to get a master's, but I wasn't ready. So what I okay. did was when I graduated, I decided to give myself a graduating gift to myself for me to me, well, you know, finishing grad school <laughs> uh, for finishing undergrad. Um, right. So I bought a trip to Guatemala and um, to like learn Spanish, do volunteer work and like live with a host family. So I did that for mm. two months. So my plan, because I, I didn't have any experience were traveling to another part of the world was apart from the U.S. and Nigeria that I knew. So obviously I paid a whole lot of money for this program that mm-hmm. pays for you to take school Spanish lessons in a local school, stay with a okay. host family. And then I found out like they kind of ripped us off because <laughs> it was just expensive. Yeah, um, I was going to ask if that was a program that you did like through your school or if you like kind of put I, I the just pieces. found them online. I found them online and I was like, okay, I don't know anything about this part of the world. They know what they're doing. And you know mm-hmm. how they have like all of this testimony, which you don't even know if it's true or not. Yep. <laughs> so I did that. And when I got to the Spanish school, I met like all the people that were traveling and some of them were like backpacking um and just hearing people's experiences um was like amazing 
it kind of it made me feel like oh I think I can do this um and my plan was only to actually stay in that city um in Guatemala it was um it's called Sheila um but the host family I stayed with they were like oh do you know like um there are black people in this country and I was like wait what and they were like yeah like there are black people in this country I did not know there were black people in Latin America at that time and so they were like, oh, if you go to this coastal town, they're Black people. So I wow. went to that coastal town and then I saw like Black people. Like, I was like, we oh everywhere. my God. <laughs> I know. And I was just like, oh my God. So then I made a decision that, okay, I think I want to travel to all of the Latin American countries and look for all of the Afro Latinas um, mm-hmm. in, the, in those countries. So when I got back to the US, I was fortunate to get a job. In, it wasn't education, it was um, an education NGO. Um, so I walked my butt off for like a year to save money so I could travel for a year. Nice. So after one year doing the job, I traveled for a year in Latin America. All right. So did you do um, backpacking? Did you do um, budget travel, luxury travel? What was that leap, not leap year, what do you call it? Um, gap break year? year? Gap year. Yes, there you go. Gap year. What was that like for you? How was your experience? So it was a combination of I would not say luxury. Uh, I would say like it was a. I did some mid mid range stuff, mm-hmm. um, and I typically just stayed in hostels. Um, I started the one year of traveling in Colombia. I think I was in Colombia the longest. I was there for like three, almost four months. Um, wow. I, yeah, I was in Medellin. I enrolled in a Spanish um, language course at um, at one of the university in Medellin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stayed with a host family. So that was the mid range because the host family was um, middle class. I was very, I wanted to stay smart. with a middle class family because I wanted, you know, so, <laughs> I, I needed some kind of comfort. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that was like the mid range stuff because um, the price was higher than if I decided to like stay with like mm-hmm. um, a different economic um, class family um, so that was um, the mid-range stuff and it was a really beautiful experience because I was able to like travel to like different part of Colombia um, mm-hmm. I traveled by bus I didn't use um, like they didn't have a low-cost um, airline at that time so it would have okay. been more expensive to fly so I'll do the crazy stuff of like taking bus for like long hours you know just mm-hmm. to save money um, yep. so I did that yeah I did that and then once I left Colombia I flew into Panama um, and then from Panama up onto Mexico, it was, um, I crossed like land borders. Um, and when I got to Mexico, I traveled to Cuba by flight and then um, went back to Panama for like a few weeks before returning to the U.S. That's, yeah, that's a nice healthy trip. Four months in Colombia. So when you enrolled with the Spanish um, course through the university, I assume that you have to be, or... Do you have to like be matriculated in a current university? No, because you had already graduated. Was it something yeah. because of your proximity to being a student? Because I'm curious, like if I, years removed from graduation, wanted to like take courses or if I wanted to take classes, I could get myself to anybody's country, but then what options um, now, again, this is time has passed, but just out of curiosity was at the time, did you have to be like within five years of being a student? What was that experience? No, no the, I guess one of the reasons I actually chose that university was because they had the Spanish language program for foreigners. So mm-hmm. you didn't, yeah, you didn't have to like, like I've had any type of formal education mm-hmm. um, because it was geared to foreigners. Um, so all you had to do, they, we had to take a placement test so that we didn't know what Spanish yeah. class to put you in. Um, so that was the only recommended, um, that was the only mandatory stuff. So after that, um, they helped with getting a student visa. Um, they that also found the host family for me and they were like, they had like events. And then one of the benefits to it was I could take any classes I wanted. Um, it, was, it, would, it would not be for a grade or for credit. Um, if I like wanted to sit in one, at one of the university classes in any major, I could do that. Um, just to like help with, you know, um, me understanding Spanish. So so yeah, yeah, so I sat in a few political science classes Mm -hmm. and it was just fun. Like, you know, my Spanish was not that great then. (laughs) So trying to understand the discussions in the classes that was just in Spanish. Right. Yeah. So are you fluent now? 
Um, I would not say fluent. I'll say advanced. Um, okay. People, yeah, people understand me um, when I talk and I understand them back. Um, That's yeah. all you need. I mean, ain't <laughs> yeah. nobody asking you to like run a business in Spanish. You know what I yeah. mean? Can I order my foods? And you know how much my change is supposed to be. That's all I really know. So yeah. what was, I remember um, you mentioned your root trip. But overall, what would you say your travel, I don't want to say personality, but like your general travel options. I don't know why the words are not wording for me right now. Like how do you normally travel by yourself? Yeah, typically I travel by myself. Um, I just find it easier to travel by myself um, because if I wake up one morning and don't feel like doing anything, then I don't do Mm -hmm. anything. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I like to travel. And I feel like with me traveling by myself, I'm able to best navigate and be safe, um, because I'm in control of me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't need to worry about what other people are doing. I've done a few, um, group trip. I've done like, sometimes like a trip with one other friend or two other friends. And for the most part, it's, it's worked. Um, I have like favorite people I, I, I don't mind traveling with. Right. Um, because it's just like it's as free like they do what they want to do I do what I want to do mm-hmm. and then we can meet up at some point um, but like talking about like a group like with a lot of people I did that one time one time and I don't not sure I want to do that again um, yeah yeah please tell me about that trip yeah so that trip was still ID at that time uh, we I was in grad school at Cornell and we had this amazing friend. Um, she was at Cornell too, but she was not in our program. I think she was in the agriculture program. She got a job in ID and she moved, even though like she was still in grad school. She like put her grad school on hold and moved. Wow. And, yeah. So I thought that was dope. And I was like, I'm going to come visit you. And she was like, yeah, sure. Come. And they had the earthquake. So we went like about, we went like maybe five or six months after the earthquake okay. um, so they were still in uh, rebuilding mode um one of the once I bought my ticket I was like oh I'm going to ID to visit Maurice I'm going and everybody like oh I want to come to I want to come to and then the ticket was so cheap too it was like 250 dollars from New York oh City. yeah of course everybody so want to go yeah so everybody bought their, their ticket and I'm like damn okay no <laughs> no worries I like you guys at Cornell maybe you know It'll mm-hmm. be fun traveling together. So we uh we were flying with Copa Airline and with Copa Airline, they always stop in Panama anyways. So okay. we were able to like extend our layover in Panama so we could stay like two days. And I knew nice. Panama. Yeah, I knew Panama at the back of my hand. Right. And I had friends in Panama. There. So we started this extensive email thread of like itinerary on what we're gonna do in Panama and then also um ID as well um so we had this details of I thought everybody was ready because I was ready um and I was very clear in the email so um we could not find a, an hotel that we could afford because we we're all grad students we didn't have a job and we didn't have right. money um so I found a couch sofa I use couch surfing so I found a couch mm-hmm. sofa and um uh, myself and two two other people stayed with a couch sofa um our three other friends they were able to stay with one of the girls is from ID but she was born and raised in the U.S. so but she had a friend that was working with the UN in ID so she was able to arrange for the rest of the girls to stay um, with him um so that's pretty much how it happened and the couch sofa was actually really great like she got us a taxi to pick us up from the airport Mm -hmm. like straight to our house so we didn't have to navigate that none of us spoke French by the way not Creole (laughs) So, so that was another thing. So while we were leaving Ithaca to drive to New York City, six hours drive, one of the girls on our trip, Damn. yeah, six hours drive to catch a flight. One of the girls on our trip had only a backpack. Like the rest of us travel light. Like we had mm-hmm. a backpack and we had only carry on luggage. Like nobody checked in the bag. So that's okay. how light we carry. Smart. But she only had a backpack and a backpack did not look like he had anything in it other than mm-hmm. a passport. So we asked, where you stuff at? She was like, mm, I'm going to buy when we get there. Buy what when we get where? <laughs> oh, I'm going to buy clothes when we get there. And we're like, we all looked at each other like, oh, okay. 
Yeah, you got it, sis. Yeah, you. maybe you can support like, you know, the local businesses rebuilding type stuff. So we get to Panama City and then she asks, um, because from the airport, we were going to like drop off our stuff at the hostel. And one of my friends in Panama City was going to take us, pick us up and take us to the Panama Canal and give us a private tour of the Panama Canal. Nice. So um, girl, when we get to the airport, she asks, can we instead go pick strawberries? And we all looked at that like, the fuck? It's a, it's a big city. You don't pick fruits in a big city. No, girlfriend. And strawberry... I thought, like, I thought strawberry only grew in, like, cold places. Panama is not cold. We could do that sometime. You can do that on your own time. Yeah. Were you not and in I, the thread with the rest of us? Like... I know. And then we looked at it like, no, we're not. Like, we're going okay. to the hostel. We're going to drop our stuff. And we're going to Panama Canal. Um, she kind of wanted to trade tantrum. Nobody has time for that. Like, we're all tired. Like, we all just mm-hmm. drove six hours to New York City and then to travel so we get to the Panama Canal. It was fun because it was a private tour. We didn't have to pay. Nice. <laughs> we did not have to pay. It was a private tour. And there you then go. It took us, yeah, it took us to like a local place to like eat. And the mm-hmm. music was good. We were having fun. She there didn't like go. the food. The food is not like Panamian food is like American food. Like they don't okay. have anything drastically different. But she didn't like the taste. I don't even know what that means. Okay, um, girl. Yeah, so we get to the also Should have put some spices in your little backpack or something. Maybe know, some right? ketchup. But yeah, it was whatever. crazy. Yeah, so we get back to the hostel. And then she, it was night. And she was like, oh, she's hungry. She wants to find something to eat. Um, She's just going to walk around. Like, who goes to a foreign country and walk around at night? Like, okay. I don't even do that in Nashville for, you know, a different reason. <laughs> but I don't walk at right. night <laughs> um so i'm like i'm not going i'm definitely not going because i'm black so i'm not going yeah so um, that was going i was getting there and i figured i had an answer in my mind without having to ask you but um whom whom were your um your accompanied uh friends on this trip with you yeah, so, uh girlfriend <laughs> yes yeah, so it was me black from nigeria there was a black american from atlanta um there was um so a girl from Serbia mm-hmm. there was a Nepali um and then there was um the she is she's I heritage is from Haiti but she grew up in the in the U.S. and then there was this girl from Kazakhstan so she's not even white she's from Kazakhstan that's a whole uh-huh. other kind of white it's like yes yeah. uh-huh got so, it yeah, so which That's was like why, Eastern Europe, right? Yeah, um, which is why that you know I didn't understand the disconnect because I would think that our culture uh, was not fundamentally different from where we're going to because mm-hmm. yeah, the developing that, nations like yeah, so that's what I thought, but I guess I was dead wrong. Um, so yeah so she was like she's just gonna walk around and then she was asking the also people and then the also people that from Panama were like I would not recommend you walk at night to get something to food like we have they had free pancake 24 hours like you can make your own pancake oh okay and she's like no she don't want pancake blah, blah, blah. and then like what's being rude to them and yeah so that was the Panama saga. So we get to Haiti. Everybody's excited. Like, yeah. oh my God, we're going to see Maurice. Um, we're going to like, you know, do different stuff. And everyone was just so excited. My couch serving host was amazing. Like she went above and beyond. She didn't even have to do half of the things that she did um, for us. Um, now question for to- you. With couch surfing, what would you, would you kind of say that's comparable to Airbnb? Like a shared, uh, like a shared room for an Airbnb? um it depends on so in a couch surfing you can list what your space is for some people they have like an extra bedroom some mm-hmm. uh, for some people like you're literally sleeping on your couch mm-hmm. um so it depends on like what that person has um i've been fortunate enough that when i use couch surfing i've had my own room to myself nice um, yeah so that was the thing with the couch surfing host um she lived um at dad was a doctor um and had his own private hospital so they lived 
upstairs of the hospital. Um, nice. Yeah. So there was like a lot of, there was actually a lot of rooms okay. um, in the house. So she had told us before the trip that because of the earthquake, um, they didn't have running water, but they had like a water truck that delivered water to the house. So it was going to be a bucket type shower. I was like, oh, that's fine. I'm from Nigeria. We, <laughs> we made with like bucket and adaptable. So it, yeah. So it was like, okay. And then the Nepali was like, yeah, I'm from Nepal. We did this too. So it wasn't, it wasn't anything like different. So we go there, the couch sofa, the first night we get there, we're like, oh, we're going to the club. Um, and the couch sofa wanted to go with us. But then our friend from Kazakhstan obviously did not have anything to wear. Um, I don't wear makeup and I don't really like to dress up, but I had on a cute dress. Mm -hmm. And then the Nepali girl, um, she was once Miss Nepal. So, oh, excuse me. Yeah, okay, so, girlfriend. Yeah. So she she was like looking at the and all, stuff. I guess. <laughs> I know. And then our good friend from Kazakhstan did not have mm -hmm. anything to wear because she left upstate New York with a Cornell sweatpants, a Cornell sweatshirt. That's all she had. That's all she had. Okay. So obviously she saw us like getting ready and then she started to trade tantrum that she has an headache. She's tired. She don't want to go. And sure. I felt really bad because then the couch sofa could not go with us because she didn't want to leave her alone in the house. And I felt really bad because I was the one that reached out to the couch sofa. It was yeah. my account. Like it was. Damn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I felt really bad. Um, also that messes up your good time. Like she's the plug. We in your, we're in your neighborhood. Like yep. you're the one yeah. that can get us into places. None of us speak Creole. None of us yep. speak French. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it, it was crazy. So we went, um, we, the Nepali girl was able to convince her to go. So they both speak Russia because the Nepali girl, her mom was from, her mom is from one of the former Soviet Union countries. So she speaks, she's, she's amazing. She speaks Russian, Hindi, English, Spanish. Um, yeah. So she was able That's to- That's how you get to be Miss Nepal, shit. I know, yeah. So she was able to communicate with the Kazakhstan in Russia. Like, no, this is fucked up, you're going. Mm -hmm. um, because Figure the couch wants to go. So she went yeah. with us that, that one night and everybody's dancing. Everybody's having a good time. What and did she wear? Did she have to borrow somebody's stuff? Yeah, she was putting on a sweatpants and a white t-shirt she was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's what so she glad they let y'all in too <laughs> yeah 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 so that's what she added but then she got there she saw how everybody looking so cute like everybody yeah like people dress up in id like they dress up mm -hmm. um so like she saw all of that and then the next night every we went out every night and then nice. the next night how like, long were she, you guys there we were in the country for a total of five days Mm -hmm. um but every night we went out um the next day she did not come she even she bigger tantrum and so we just left her like nobody has time for this yeah um well, but for me i've already had enough um the nepali girl i'd never seen her get upset but she yelled at the kazakhstan girl like i've never seen nira upset no one i've ever yeah. seen nira upset she's always smiling always nothing faces that but mm -hmm. she got upset and by the time nira got upset i was just like yeah i can't do this with the group so I told mm -hmm. them, I'm going to see you at the airport. Um, they left Port-au-Prince to go to like some kind of town that had like a really beautiful beach and stuff like that. I don't like the beach. So I was like, I'm going to stay in the city. Yeah, I don't like the beach. Because when people say, oh, it looks so pretty, it looks the same to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I stayed in Port-au-Prince. They went and they had to leave her in the hotel room from what I had. And I was mm -hmm. like, I saw them at the airport. I had a good time. And then when we got yeah. to the airport, that was also another, um, <laughs> that was drama. So she is an international student. Um, I had a, well, I had a green card by then, but she was an international student. Um, the girl from Nepal was also an international student. Um, but if you're like traveling on a student visa, you needed to have gotten some kind of paperwork from your school, but okay. she didn't get that which kind of made it slightly difficult for her to return to the U.S. because if anything goes wrong, the airline is going to be the one that is going to be fined. So, oh, that, wow. so that was the issue we faced. But when you're having that type of issue, you don't yell at people that could potentially help you. She was yelling at the airline. 
workers and people from IT are just like Nigerians like don't fucking come for me because I'm just not going to help you so she yeah she she said it to you and thank god for um Tonika Tonika is uh, is the black American from Atlanta Tonika Mm -hmm. is also very calm and thank god for um Tonika Tonika was able to like help them and they were able to email Cornell and get a response back like within five minutes wow Good. that's how she would like get on the flight back to the u.s low-key like oh figure yeah. like uh, after the bullshit she really like after the way she seems to have carried herself for that trip y'all better than me like <laughs> i'm like my flight's good yeah okay. that's what i said that's what, <laughs> the, that's what the rest of us said but tonikwe has tonikwe is really cool like tonikwe is she has a beautiful heart, so obviously only Tonyko would have done that for her. Because I was like, ah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you want to be, you spent all this hot time here being an asshole to people and being nasty. I hate, hate, hate yep. people being nasty to service workers. Like I've always had some fashion. Um, every job I've ever had, even if I didn't like exactly work face-to-face with the consumer in whatever industry I was in. Every job I've ever had has had some level of customer service attached to it. So I know what it feels like to be on both ends of it. I've also, I've been dismissed as a customer. I've had people be totally nasty to me. I've had people shout in my, like I've had it all, but at the same time, I've also just been that really nice person to the customer service person, because I know how it feels. How about we just start with a hello? Like when I call and order Chinese food, like, Hey, how you doing? And she actually responds because we do this all the time. Like, I'm good today. That's good. I hope y'all doing all right for the weekend. Have a good weekend. These are people. These are people, especially not people that fucking with your food. I had one time going through a Taco Bell drive-thru. Now, mind you, the girl at the uh, the little window, she was was doing a a bit much. We pull up to the thing and she's all, hey, can I take your order? Absolutely. Just give us one second. And we're talking about, so you want a hard shell or you want a soft shell? If I get four hard shells, don't be asking for that. Hey, can I, uh, can I take your order? In a second, girlfriend, um, just working on one more thing. All right. And so before we even get back to the top, she's again with the, can I take your order? And it's like, first of all, it's 1230. There's no one here. There's no one behind us. We're not holding you up. Like, and so my homegirl that was driving spazzed on the girl, like she flipped. And I was just like, keep game though. I don't want nothing else no more. I'm not eating it. I'm not eating this. You don't know at what. this point, it's like, I don't know what's going on inside. We are outside. If we were inside, we could at least see to the back. Where are you grabbing? What are you doing? Why is it taking so long? Not out here. That's all you. All yep. the tacos. You can have my hard shells. You can have the soft <laughs> shells. I'm good. Yep. I do yep. not play with people that make my food. Yep. For Ooh, all good reasons. <laughs> I remember when we were speaking, you mentioned a mandatory ro- uh, work program in Nigeria. Yes. What is what is that? So um, there is a program called National NYC National Youth Service Corps. Um, it was a program that was created at the time after Nigeria got its independence. Um, I think the mission of the program was to get um, Nigerians to know each other because, like I said, like mm-hmm. Nigeria is pretty much like three three very powerful kingdoms that was brought together by the British that never liked each other before the British came and were brought together to be a country. So there was just a general mistrust of people from other ethnic groups. So the mission of the program was like, get out of your, your whatever states that your ethnic group is dominant and go somewhere else. So you can like, you know, get Mm -hmm. to experience the real Nigeria and get to experience um, other cultures. So that was the mission of the program. Um, but also the program is required. Um, if you want to walk in Nigeria as a Nigerian citizen, you have to have completed this program. Otherwise you can't get a job with like, you can't get a job anyway because they're going to ask for your certificate from that program. Wow. So yeah, so I went back to that program after grad school um, and it was, <laughs> so I think, Thinking back, I think I would have enjoyed the program if I'd gone after my undergrad. Okay. Not after my grad school. Um, I felt a little bit old, <laughs> to be honest. Okay. Um, a little bit old, and I was just irritated half of the time. 
So the program um, starts with a three weeks of paramilitary training. Um, I was, oh. I was unfortunate to have been posted to a state I did not want to be posted. So they like, once you apply for the program, they send you to any state in Nigeria. Oh, I would, they also yeah. pick you up and put you some, they really, this is an immersive program. Yep. Yeah. So I would have been okay if I was sent to like a Northern state or a Eastern state, because for me, it would have been an opportunity to learn about this culture since my ethnic group is mostly Southwest Nigeria. Mm -hmm. um, but I was sent to like another Southwest states. Um, it wasn't, it was like an hour from Lagos. Gotcha. And um, they sent us to the village for this three weeks paramilitary program. It was a real village, a real village. And yeah, and I, me like having the comfort of being raised in middle-class Nigeria and being abroad and then coming back, I, I was on the edge. So for one, there was not enough space for the people in the camp my bunk bed was in the hallway yeah because it was it was overcrowded huh. so there was like yeah there was a female dorm there was a male dorm and there was not enough space so they had to put bunk beds in the hallway wow. so that's where it was um it was a three um three floor building and i think like on the first floor that's where i was there was about close to 50 to 60 girls on that floor and there was only one bathroom on the one and he did not even have running water and it got flooded so How you we, flood? <laughs> it yeah, was it not got, even running water and it flooded uh-huh uh-huh so like yep so we made a decision all the girls on the, <laughs> on the group we made a decision like no one was going to use it because then water would come to the hallway and that way like those mm -hmm. of us in the hallway it was just yeah it, that's not fair to you guys yeah so we made a decision so then they had extra um space outside i'll call it a space because it was not a bathroom it wasn't like a toilet mm -hmm. it was a hole in the ground for you to do number two and then they had like an uncompleted space for us to take a shower. So there was no roof. It was oh. just like a, a fence. It was a fence. There was no roof and there was no door. Huh. Yeah. That's where we're supposed to take showers. And it was the same situation for the girls in the second and third stuff. They could not use the one bathroom they had inside because it was going to get flooded. So everybody had to like take a shower outside. Um, because if I want to take a shower, a bunch of other girls wanted to take a shower. So we all could not use the uncompleted place with no roof to take a shower. So we actually took a shower outside. So we got a, a bucket with water. We took a shower mm -hmm. outside. Um, yeah, that's how we took a shower. So there was nothing like a warm water shower. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it was cold water. And you had like two, three minutes to like take that shower and like get inside. So that was that was the three week stuff, and then we had to wake up pretty early um, because apparently Nigeria woke up very early, like five o'clock. I don't know why that makes no sense, but we had to wake up at five o'clock, um, and they had like the siren that would go off where like you had to wake up and then you'd shower, and then we all had to wear the same thing. Um, you could not wear your own regular clothes except for Sunday for a few hours. So you could wear it on Sundays to like go to the mosque or to go to the church. Um, that they had on the camp but after that you had to change into the uniform that was give, um that you bought with your money obviously so the uniform was either the khaki they gave us a green a green khaki type pants mm -hmm. um and um a white t-shirt or you could wear the white t-shirt and uh, white shorts that was the only thing you could wear um and you could only wear white um shoes um you couldn't wear like anything else so we got outside we had to stand in the sun there was a lot of lecture that nobody was paying attention to and then we had to match we had to do like a lot of stupid stuff because it was a paramilitary stuff yeah um training and you could not skip out of it and if you skipped out of it you were going to be punished um punished mean that they lock you in some kind of room with no window a small room they lock you there for like a few hours um yeah so they had that um 
but I got a little bit of privilege because I was a foreign trained student. So there was this perception that if you schooled abroad, you were soft and you were not used to the ad life. I took it. I was like, yeah, I'm not yeah, used to it. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. sad. Oh, yeah. So, so I, I got a lot of privilege um, from that, like um, from the food they said that I didn't even eat the food. It was disgusting. Um, they had like a, uh, a market where like women from the community came to sell their food that's where mm-hmm. I had my food okay. um, I, I got away from like a lot of stuff like sometimes like the lines was so long for anything like if you any paperwork you wanted to do but because I was a foreign trained student myself along with other foreign trained students we had to advocate that we needed our own separate line because we were not used oh, to y'all, so y'all g the system y'all yeah because really. we're like, we're like mm-hmm. in london or in the u.s we don't we, we don't stand in lines <laughs> so we, we we didn't know so we got away with like with stuff because um we're not used to doing it because in in the uk and in london like the, like in, yeah like we didn't do the stuff like that so we got away with stuff but it was still like really it was really a tough three weeks stuff hell yeah um, yeah um so after that after the three week stuff then they tell you where your permanent placements will be mm-hmm. um and that can be anything from sending you to a very remote village in that state um to teach in a school or to work in the local government stuff or you could be sent to like the capital city or to a bigger city um and i was unfortunate again second time being unfortunate <laughs> i was sent to some kind of really small village um, where it was a very conservative Islamic village. And Are I was Islamic? Like, Do you practice uh-huh. Islam? There we go. That's the right way to ask it, right? Yeah, I, no, I don't I feel like that's at this the wrong point, way. Yeah, I don't practice any mm-hmm. religion, but my mm-hmm. family is Christian. Um, so I get to the village, I get to the school where I'm supposed to be. I have my nose um, pierced. I have like, oh, I had like, well, five different piercings on my ears. I get there, the principal of the school looked at me and was like, you're not gonna survive here. I'm gonna re- reject you. And I was like, fine, I'll wait for the rejection letter. So he gave it to me and I went to the capital to give them the rejection letter. And they were like, oh, do you want another scum? Like, do I look like I'm gonna survive in that village or any village? They're like, no. So put me in the put capital in the city. Stay. Yeah. yeah. They don't so want ended, me. Like, don't do this to yeah. them or to me. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I went to the capital. I ended up being in the capital city of that state. Um, it's called, um the name of the capital city is Ibadan, and I was able to maneuver my way to get posted to one of the National Institute of Research, and I liked it there because then I was doing something intellectual, and it was mm-hmm. great. Um, but then it was also another hurdle trying to find a place to live. Um, because you know single women cannot leave by themselves because you're gonna be like some type of way and I'm like I live by myself what? in the U.S. so yeah so trying oh. to find like a place to leave was also like a lot of landlord would not rent to you as a single yeah. woman um, so like trying to navigate that I was able to get somewhere that was okay um, I kind of made my dad pay to renovate the place <laughs> mm. um so Shout I did that. Yeah. So I was I was getting comfortable with that, with that, you know, setting. I made some friends that I really did um value. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like about two months of being in the capital city, I got a letter that transferred me to Lagos. I was like, oh, okay, yep, I'm going to Lagos. <laughs> that is absolutely fine. Yes, I got to Lagos and I lived at home and I was posted to like a local government and I didn't have to do anything I just had to show up once a week and have them sign my stuff that I yeah so and then I just um started looking for my different things to like do because I didn't have to be at the local governments that it sent me to so Mm -hmm. yes so that was the experience that ended up okay it it started rough that was a rough start it's it's rough the first three weeks and then the last three weeks of the program because the last three weeks, thank God they don't send us back to the village. But it's like you trying to get like all of your clearance to prove mm-hmm. that because you, you're not allowed to leave the country during that one year experience. Um, mm-hmm. So there's and there was like a whole lot of paperwork, like 
getting that done um at the last three weeks was like also stressful but I did it we all did it so something about I I don't disagree with that in a sense where it kind of forces you to take on some level of responsibility and autonomy for yourself. I assume that there are, you know, processes that you can find help with, or you can always, you know, seek help from someone. But unlike here where like you, you could skate by not ever having to fill out any paperwork, you can skate by not having to do anything, you know, but there is a level of civic engagement that is encouraging it's the country is encouraging its citizens to participate in some aspect of how this looks for all of us while also you know i don't mean depending on where you end up it's transferable skills like you're able to follow up with paperwork you're able to commit to dates and shit like and you don't have do you have to go to um secondary school or um university or anything for you to be able to uh, yeah. participate in it okay yeah in the program you have to have a college degree wow um, yeah in order to yeah to be in it like yeah you need a college degree so essentially you can't work in nigeria without having a college degree a degree yeah you cannot find a decent work you can like get a job as um like you know we don't call it grocery we call it a supermarket Mm-hmm. But if you want like a professional type of job, you need um, a degree and not just a college degree, a master's degree, because it's very competitive. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So education is, is a thing. It's a big thing. Wow. I guess that's why y'all come here and blow us the fuck out the water. <laughs> like y'all, <laughs> y'all do much better yeah. than we do. Wow. That, so if you wanted to work at a supermarket, like if you wanted to open your own business or if you wanted to just do something that wasn't exactly um, white collar, like say you wanted to do blue collar work, if you wanted to be, uh, wanted to do something in masonry or, um, you know, I, I know that we have different like trade schools and stuff you can go to here. Do they have trade schools or do they allow you to, you know, like there are jobs for people that aren't college educated, right? Because I mean, I would assume that that's also, do they prov- provide free education in Nigeria? Um, free on paper. Hmm. In reality, it's not free. So they have like the, um, y'all call it high school, we call it secondary schools, mm-hmm. uh, even in the school, like primary school, which you guys call elementary school. So they have like public schools that are supposed okay. to be free. Uh, on paper, it is free, but in reality, it's not free because every school asks for like different kind of fees, administrative fee, this fee, mm-hmm. this fee. They ask for a whole lot of fees. Um, and I kind of get where those schools are coming from because um, so after independence in Nigeria, we went through many years of um, military de- dictatorship. And that kind of kind that kind of messed up like the entire system. So public service worker, people that work for the government, state or federal, it doesn't matter. They go several months without getting paid. So in order for people to still provide services, all of those type of fees started to come okay. in. So that way they can somehow support teachers mm-hmm. and staff that um, may not get paid. So although it's free education, but all of those fees will prevent a very poor family from sending their child to school because they can't afford those fees um and then it's the same thing for like um university um it's not really free there is a there's a scholarship um if you attend a university in your state of origin um Mm -hmm. you get like some kind of scholarship um and there's some kind of assistance for like families yeah, there's some kind of stuff, but even that, you have to, like, fight for it. You have to fight for any, yeah. anything. Anything, um, you have to fight for it. So it's not really free. We don't have trade schools. Um, so if you wanted to, like, learn to be a plumber, to, like, do anything in plumbing or any kind of mm-hmm. blue-collar job, you will have to find somebody that's doing that job, and then you become their apprentice. Apprentice, okay. Yeah, so that's how blue-collar type job is done. Okay. So last question for you and the way you explained, um, the, I guess, work 
study program in Nigeria, it made me think of what you were saying about Teach for America. I know you spent a lot of time in the United States and you were just talking about your time back in Nigeria. Like, what do you, do you want to go back? Or what do you want to leave the United States period, I guess is the question I'm more interested in getting answered. Because I know that there are a lot of um, us here that are like, yeah, we're over the shit. Like, we don't want to be here. So I'm curious as to someone that isn't originally from here that is here. Like, do you even want to be here? Like, do you want to stay here? What is your outlook on the way um, your options are looking in terms of, you know, residency or just being yeah, someplace? So, yeah, eventually I would love to leave. I would love to go back to Nigeria eventually. Um, but I would not go back to Nigeria if I don't have enough enough money to sustain the kind of lifestyle I would want to leave in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Nigeria can be expensive. Um, so for example, if I wanted to like rent a house or an apartment in the US, you like pay security deposit and first month rent and then you pay every month. In Nigeria, you have to pay like one year rent before you can move in. Um, yeah, and you just for you to have, for me to have the same level of comfort that I'm accustomed to now, it's going to require for me to have more money. Up front, um, it seems. Yeah. So, okay. and we don't have like credit systems, like, you know, how credit score, credit, like mm-hmm. all of this stuff is not a thing in Nigeria. So if you wanted to like start a business, you are coming up with your capital yourself. You can't rely on the bank wow. to like provide like a loan. So like there's like a different way of doing stuff that um, you would take a type of getting used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also it comes with some kind of level of comfort because I would be able to afford a maid if mm-hmm. I move back home with some kind of resources. Um, I will be able to afford a drive if I don't want to drive myself around. Um, so there's some things um, that right. I think like it balances out. Um, I know like definitely if I move back home. So I am in my 30s. I'm 35. Um, I've made a decision a long time ago that I do not want to have kids. Mm-hmm. And I know like if I go back home, people like to give you advice when you don't ask for it. So I know like there will be a whole lot of, uh, when are you going to have kids? Mm-hmm. Your clock is ticking, you know, this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so there'll be like, I don't, I mean, I can choose to ignore people. Yeah. But it's but annoying. It's like, yeah. why? Yeah. I shouldn't yeah, have so to. Mm-hmm, there'll be a whole lot of that. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I think eventually that that will be what I want, I want to do, especially because I'm, I'm very passionate about special education and we don't have, um, I think where we are in any country in Africa, when it comes to special education is where the US was 50 years ago. So we were like wow. 50 years behind. Okay. Um, so I would like to do something like in that realm. Wow, that's, that's important. Every child deserves uh, you know, an environment that understands their needs for or their um, the conditions that they learn best in. I know one of my favorite uh, quotes is that whole um, can't if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, you'll always think the fish is dumb kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Number numbers aren't my thing, but if you judged me based on how I stressed and fought through math, you would never know that I read pretty fucking well. You know that yeah. I can actually speak to people. Yeah. I get the words, just just not the numbers. Whew. Kunbi, thank you so much. Like now I feel like I've got, there's so, part of what I love about travel is that I've always enjoyed information, right? Like I, I enjoy knowing shit without having to know everything. And one of the things that I have found distinctly different in the way I interpret that information is that when I'm able to absorb it through travel, it resonates so much differently than if I'm like sitting and being instructed. Like I excelled in school, but I never enjoyed it because it's that there's that level level. Now you have to take this test. Now you have to prove to me that you understand or, you know, that you can regurgitate the information the way that I said it to you versus, well, 
throw me out there, coach. Like, let me figure it out. Let me, like, I'm a, let me do something with my hands and then it makes more sense to me, right? And so listening to you really get into, first of all, I think it's very, I don't know what the right word for it is, but you could ask me so many things about these good here in the United States because I too am 35 and have lived here all of my black ass life. I don't got answers for you. But it seems as if whenever you ask someone from someplace else in the world, they've got answers for something that happens in the country that they're from. You don't even live in Nigeria right now, but you're able to answer questions about Nigeria for me, right? And it's just like, as an American, I just feel like, well, fuck. I paid attention through most of my classes, but none of this information really sticks. But in the realm of discussing things through travel, I feel like there are so many different little fires that are ignited and there's just um, a different level of, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Interest and curiosity. There are different levels of curiosity because it's one thing to read a book, right? It's another thing to watch a movie, but to talk to somebody that looks like you, sounds like you, you can envision has a couple of things in common with you. And it's just like, oh, so wait, I'm hearing this from the lens of someone who spent the same amount of time on this here planet as I have. Like, this is what I really, really love about travel is that it gives you these opportunities to experience like not a different version of yourself, but like you're a 35 year old from someplace else. I'm a 35 year old from here. We've both had different travel experiences. Let's shoot the shit. Let's just talk about it. Like, I don't, I really don't think I'm not, I'm not extraordinary. I'm not a super special, there's something about me kind of person. I don't find that to be unique of me. I think that everybody's got their thing. And what I love, love, love about this podcast is that you can learn and discuss and have so many extraordinary conversations with regular fucking people. Yeah, that's, I agree with you. That's why I love traveling. Like you get to meet people and you get experience new things and once I feel like once you're willing to leave your comfort zone mm-hmm. you get to experience a part of you that you did not know existed exactly that's why I'm a big proponent of intentional travel when I you know first started traveling I was a vacationer right like I was mentioning that to you earlier like do you travel or do you vacation and there's no not to one or the other but I just acknowledge the difference in me when I stopped vacationing, you know what I mean? It's just like you go someplace and you're just you in a different spot versus when you're traveling, I feel like you open yourself to changing, to being different, to welcoming new experiences, to welcoming new um, ideas and giving yourself the possibility to grow and expand through those interactions with other people. So even though I ain't going nowhere right now, I'm gonna be here for a minute. I appreciate you giving me that opportunity to grow and expand through conversation. So where can the people find you? If someone has, um, you know, something about Nigeria that you can direct them to a resource for, or if someone is just interested in, you know, your story or wants to uh, reach out to you, where can they find you? So I used to like write a blog. The blog is still online. I've just not updated it. <laughs> Been there too. You know, <laughs> yes. Um, you know, life happened. Um, and then I got like kind of busy. Um, I will, let me see. So the blog is called The Adventures of a Nigerian American. Um, so I typically share my, my experiences traveling to like, you know, different countries and stuff. Um, I also have like about three, four, of five blog posts about when I moved back to Nigeria, you should go read it. Some of my experiences are crazy. Um, I got rejected for a job because I had locks. Um, I got to the interview room and this dude was praying because I have locks. Yep. 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 (laughs) So I've had like, you know, some shitty experience when I moved back home. Um, And I had some great experiences. So I try to capture like the good, the bad, because I, I don't, I get irritated when people just tell me the good things about a country. Like, nah, no one, yeah. no one is perfect. Yeah. Like, there, there has to be like the bad, the ugly, the great. So let's talk mm-hmm. about everything. So I try to like capture that in my blog post, and a lot of the experience I shared on the nomadness custom stuff, I did. Uh, it's on my blog too. Full on like, blog post. Yep. Yeah, yeah. My custom experience, and when I was 
illegal in Bolivia by by choice. <laughs> yeah, because that's where I was going to start. Yeah, I was going to start with the conversation because the <laughs> the bullets, like the numbered bullets of shit shows in different customs places but i feel like this was still a really great conversation that we had and of course now they can just go read your blog the adventures of a nigerian american to find out why my interest was piqued in you to begin with about your customs malfunctions so is that just one whole phrase the adventures of a nigerian american no hyphens no dash periods or anything right that's a really good question let me look it up Yeah, so the Avengers of Nigerian is all one word, and then there's a dash American.com. Okay, so I will put that in the description box. As always, any information that we mentioned in the episode will be listed for you guys in the belows. And of course, you can always, ah, beautiful, thank you so much. Um, and of course, you can always go to um, travelshippodcast.com, and I will, you know, have the description of you know all that shit on the the episode page in particular on the pod, on, on the website guys it's not rocket science it's just one of the two okay so kunbi thank you very kindly i appreciate your time today and guys remember travel is so much more than vacation just open yourself up to the opportunity and i'll see y'all motherfuckers at the next episode 